Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Joshua, and welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. Today, we have a really awesome guest. I was actually blown away when I saw the email because I followed this person on social media probably for about 10 years before I got off of Facebook. Actually, before I got before I got kicked off Facebook, I followed this person. And just always mesmerized by the talent, the gift, and just really all that she's up to. Dame Clarissa Burt. Now, the reason I had to look at my notes is because she has been knighted, seriously, by, by the Royal Order of Constantine. What an honor is that? I've never spoken to anyone who's ever had such an honor. So I feel like I'm meeting royalty in a way. And not that I'm a big one following or have hero worship or anything, but there's people that I admire. Clarissa is one of those people. My goals in media and what I want to do and how I want to use media to elevate other voices, especially the voiceless. She's somebody that I look to as inspiration because of all that she's done in media. She's uber talented. I, her list of accomplishments are like I would be here for a week reading her bio because there's just accomplishment after accomplishment. So the fact is this, I am so honored. And Uber, when I say Uber best-selling author, it's when someone wins a multi-platinum award for music. She's done that with books all across the board. CEO of Limelight Media. She does an amazing job. Anyway, I'm just giddy excited to talk to her and excited to pick her brain, find out what she's up to because people like her, they never just sit around and wait for things to happen. They're action takers and they're making things happen. And those kind of people inspire me. This is the very first time we've ever spoken other than email. And I am just absolutely honored to introduce to you Dame Larissa Burr. Thank you for being here, everyone. And please welcome our guest. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund. And I hope I say this right, Dame Clarissa Burr, correct? That's, yeah, that's it. That just now, and, then, and then there's that. <laughs> when I think of when I think of Dame, I think of like old mafia movies and like the mo the mobsters talking about the great dames, and then but come to find out, Dame means something way more amazing than what the mafia movies made it sound like years ago. You've well, actually been knighted by Constantine, is it? The Constantine? The, royal, the sovereign and royal order of Constantine the Great, yeah, of, of Kapodolshik, Constantine the Great and St. Helen, which is a lovely honor that was bestowed upon me in June in Las Vegas. The prince came over from, from Spain and there was obviously a lot of pomp and circumstance and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely honor and it's really, it's, I'm looking for the word reconocimiento and I can't come up with the word in English. It's, it's an honor. Let's keep it that benighted and it's i think it's a way of of it's an appreciation i think also a for some work that has been did a lot of work social work in my lifetime and i had two private audiences with pope john paul i lived in italy i was in rome i like we were homies and so it was <laughs> <laughs> and i worked I, on television and so it was, it was just they were really great years lots of fun I've, i have so much that i'm going to talk to you about but i before we get into anything i would love to know what are you grateful for today and why? I'm grateful for the fact, first of all, that I had warm blankets on. I've got a full pantry. I've got family that loves me. It's a beautiful sunny day. I'm always happy for the things that most people, I think, take for granted. I'm happy that I'm not laid up in a hospital bed somewhere. I'm happy that I don't have a child that is laid up in a hospital bed that no one that I know is terminally ill. I get up and I think to myself, I, every time I, I take a, a trip, I get in the car and I'll take a trip and I come back. I pull it into the garage and I thank God for getting me home safely. And I, every 
or universe. I just say, thank you, universe. Thank you, God. I'm getting rid of the dinging. And just thank, just be thankful for every time I take a trip and every time I come home and I get home safely, I thank, I thank the stars above that I did get home safely. So I think there are a lot of the little things, which are really big things, if you stop to think about it. I have a full pantry and a warm bed, clean running water. Come on. Those are the things that I would, if we want to go deep, deeper, I can be here all day for the things I'm grateful for. But the top of mind things are certainly those. Wow, that's that to me is beautiful gratitude. I especially when somebody like yourself who has accomplished so much. As I said in the opening that you didn't see that I followed you for years on Facebook and I've just seen all that you've been up to and you were just truly inspiring for me and what I want to do with independent media. You have done so much and it's so cool. Like you're even your book, and I use this reference, it's like multi-platinum when you have that for a record. You've done that with one of your books. I like that in itself is such a huge compliment, but then being knighted, your success in media, all of that stuff is just so inspiring. And yet here it is, you, your gratitude is for the things that really truthfully matter because all of that other stuff can go away and no longer mean anything, but yet family, health, warm, clean water, well, that stuff yeah. matters. Just, yeah. Blankets, coats. <laughs> Socks. Sometimes I, I also I was on Survivor. I don't know if you know that. Yes, so you won, didn't you? <laughs> I did. How how <laughs> was that experience? Again, there's so much to talk to you about. Okay. Like Celebrity Survivor is like the one. If I could think of a reality show that I would do, Survivor yeah. is it or the Greatest Race, where you travel around and act. Yeah, like that's fun too. I would love to do that. Would be a lot of fun too. I think that's really where I went. Whoa, this whole gratitude thing. There's something to it because when you go on to an island with another 11 people that you don't know and probably aren't going to be crazy about, and they're not going to be crazy about you either, and you try to get along, you go along to get along, and then you realize warm socks, what it really means, that extra blanket, what it could have meant, food, because you don't eat, right? Clean water was rationed. There are a lot of different things that happened and that you really, you look around, you wow, I'm really lucky. We're all so damn lucky. I wish we could all just stop bitching for a minute to understand (laughs) just how lucky we really are. Oh, we're so blessed. We're so blessed. I want to ask you though about that experience because look, I've been on enough sets to know how things can get scripted or how you can make something look organic, but it's really not. But the thing with Survivor, it seems like it would be really hard to fake. And I'm sure you've signed a bunch of NDAs, but it's authentic, is it not? Even if I had said it was over 10 years ago, so I can tell you there were no, I had to sign liability clauses. So if I were to That's a good sign for authenticity. (laughs) So listen, you're going to be on this island for the next two, three months, and you're going to be cut off from anything that you'd be familiar. And if you get hurt, that's on you. So I signed that away. But I'm telling you, everything that happens on there is a God's honest truth. No words are put in your mouth. Nothing is scripted. I think that behind the scenes, as it plays out, they see, they learn the personalities. And, you know, when they do come on, because you get a doctor, a psychologist that comes on every week to talk to you. And funnily enough, it was like, I was analyzing the psychologist. They would come on, go, Clarissa, how are you doing? I'm going, I'm great. How are you? Well, wow, you it's really tough, but yeah, and so I wound up like analyzing the psychologists when they would come on every week. It was fun. Look, it was a lot of fun. We could also go down the rabbit hole when I found a kilo of cocaine on the island, but I digress. I would I don't it depends on what year that would have been for me, but I may not have told anybody <laughs> snuck off in the woods somewhere. 
I'm glad to be past that part of my life now. Right, but... That's for the 80s, honey. So... <laughs> um, but yeah, I, so there was a lot of that going on. Look, it was, there was nothing scripted, nothing fake. Everything played out as it was supposed to. And it was fun and it was eye-opening. And uh, I, you learn a lot. Of, I had said no to it for a hundred times. So look, I'm not doing it. I'm not coming. I'm not doing it. I don't want to do this. I'm not doing it. And then they told me how much money I could potentially make. And I said, all right, book the flight. And, and, but it was good. It was good. It was a good exercise. I did it because I could, I'm not married. I don't have children. So for me, it was, I don't have animals. It was like a suitcase and off I go. And I love my life like that. I love being able to just get up on a moment's notice and go. So, but I will tell you that it was an extraordinary event. It was eye-opening on every level. And, and that it, I think at the end of the day, the takeaway would be you really can't, you really be very careful of who you give your trust to. What did you, you know? learn about collaboration? Be very careful about who you give your trust to. <laughs> <laughs> that, there you go. That makes sense. Yeah, because you're supposed to be like, I didn't. Well, I got into the game, into this thing and people are like, oh, no, you don't know. We're well, supposed to be creating strategies and then aligning with different groups. And then you create your little group. And I'm like, guys, I don't know. Where am I going? Who wants me? I'll go anywhere. What's it? It was that kind of thing. And uh, the more I think you strategize and the more you think you have things under control, the more the probability is that, thing, that things are going to fall apart underneath you. It's just, and I think that's was another life lesson. It was like, you can think you got all the control in the world and you've got it all strategized and you got it planned and then life happens, right? But that was another really a big deal. I think that I thought it was all I always think I'm under control and then I find out that no, not always. That's a great life lesson. Though. Yeah. yeah. You, that's interesting. Is that, how would you say that experience best prepared you for the rest of the course of your life since that day, since you won and then moving forward, what would you say the biggest lesson that you learned from that experience and how it's helped you and what you do now? I will tell you that, first of all, I was already, I turned 53 on the island. So as far as life experience is concerned, I brought a lot of life experience to the island, whereas there are a lot of young kids on the island that were still mean and green and a little fungus behind the ears and that kind of thing. It was <laughs> just getting started. So I brought, I think I brought a lot of life experience because they would call me Aunt Clarissa and whenever they had issues or problems, they'd all come talk to me. And so I was one of the elders, if you will, on the island. So that was really cool too, because I knew, I have always known that I was a bit of a leader and certainly a caretaker. Sure. And that people could rely and depend on me for different things. And they did. They relied and depended on me for different things. That you can go a long time without food. I think that was another really big, when you know that there's no food to be had, you're not hungry. You don't look for it. You don't need it. it you need the water, obviously. And certainly we had that rationed. And uh, the other thing is that you can really live with the bare minimum. We were allowed one pair of pants, one blanket, one t-shirt, one sweatshirt, one hairband. Cause that was, I knew for me and the elements for two and a half months. And by the way, you wash your hair once a month because the, even the shampoo is rationed if you get the shampoo kind of thing. And you're washing your hair in the water, in the seawater. <laughs> so how clean is it going to get? So you're going to get used to being very uncomfortable, not as clean. You're going to be used to learning to live with the bare minimum. And I think that it was the overconstruct of our lives that we have so much and we do so much and we buy so much and we consume so much and we hoard so much and much of stuff, 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 stuff. And you can get by when you go on an island like that. You learn the importance of food. 
And when you do get it, how grateful you are to have a handful of rice. You learn also that when you get off of the island and you have your first warm beverage, i.e. a cup of tea, and it hits that warm, hits your stomach. It's like you hear that you heard the angels sing. <laughs> it's that thing goes, Whoa! these are when you don't have warmth in your stomach for three months, you notice it. So when I say those little things that are actually huge things yeah. that you're brought back, that are brought to the fore that you remember, you're reminded of that you're really grateful for. Gosh, that's awesome. That is really cool. I could, I mean, that a less subject alone, I could talk to you about for an hour because I know there's so many lessons there. But because I'm also in media and you're somebody I've looked to over the years as an inspiration to me, I'd love for you to talk about, uh, it's Limelight Media, correct? The Limelight. Lime, in the, in and, the Limelight. Uh, such a, it's such a great name. I'd love for you to talk about your media organization, your vision, and really what got you into media in the first place. It was Mary Poppins in the kindergarten play. And so in kindergarten, I used to sit on my sit-upon behind Miss Bailey when she was playing the piano and I was the loudest child in the room, I think. And I would belt the songs out and I knew all the words because I could remember them really good. And Miss Bailey, I think, with all there were four or five different kindergartens, morning classes and afternoon classes. So there were a couple of hundred kids, I'm assuming. I think it was my first greatest honor and it was one of my, certainly my crowning achievements when I was chosen to be. Mary Poppins in my rendition of supercalifragilisticexpialidocious brought them to their feet. <laughs> and, I was, and I was hooked. Apart from that, Josh, I think you should know that I was told that I was, as a very young age, I was told that I was vaccinated with a phonograph needle. And, and then I say, for those of you that don't know what a phonograph is, Google it. And, <laughs> but, you know, I was vaccinated with a phonograph needle. And so I was always a talker and I just loved the stage. I loved this. I loved you. First of all, as a five-year-old, I mean, for me, The Wizard of Oz, wow. Or Ava Gardner, Rita Hayworth, wow. And I was this really ugly duckling, gawky kid. that Never thought that these kinds of things could happen for me. So I was, I was very early on to understand. And then for 25, 30 years, I did nothing else on a stage, near a stage or with a microphone. So I got to Italy and I started to work as a model and I did rather well there. I worked rather well and I got called by TV and they said, we'd like to audition you for a show. And I said, okay. And I did. They said, do you sing? And I said, I sing in the shower and I was Mary Poppins in the kindergarten play. So they brought me in audition <laughs> and I passed it. And I used to sing live TV. I've never had a lesson in my, and this is another life lesson I think is really important. I never had a modeling lesson. I never had an acting lesson. I never had a singing lesson and all of that stuff. And you just are, I was born with it all. I was lucky enough to be born with it and run with, to know what your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. Now, if you were to ask me to rectify the books or read a contract or I am not at all, I do not have a left brain. I am completely right brained. So another really big life lesson, and I think I know I talk about that also in my book, and really, to, and they say in business, hire your, hire your weaknesses and work your strengths. And I think the same thing goes for everything that we do in life. And certainly for me, it was just easy enough. The people, I was talking to a, a speech coach the other day, we were doing it on my, on my mastermind, and she said, she has a book, and on the back of it, there's a, a quote by Jerry Seinfeld, and it goes something like this, I would rather be the guy in the coffin at the funeral than be on stage giving the eulogy. I would rather be the guy in the coffin at the funeral 
than be on at the podium giving the eulogy for the fear of public speaking. Oh, wow. I think public speaking is like the number one fear after death, possibly, of all. For me, it's always been, give me the microphone, work yeah. with you, I'm sure, as well. So there are people that are predisposed, if you will, to be on stage and in front of people. And that's really where I love to be, and it's where I shine. So, yeah. It, God bless. I wish I could just give you a hug, because that... <laughs> I'm going, so I'm going through that myself and I, cause I, this, the mission that I have, the vision that I have, the path that I've chosen to go down, it's requiring me to do things that I honestly just don't want to do because ultimately I know in my heart, what I want to be, what I get to be, what I want to do, what I get to do. And that's all I really want. But however, it leaves all of this other stuff that needs to be done too. And I'm trying to find that balance of both because at my heart, I'm like you, I just give me the stage, give me, I want to serve on a big level. I want to do the fun part. Yeah. I want to do the fun. Right. Cause I'm not like I suck at math. (laughs) And my, and the problem is my wife, she's wired like me. Our kids are wired this way. So no one in the house really wants to deal with the business side, even though we know media, we're in media, have the vision for the future of media. But the business side of it, we don't really care about. We just want to like activate it, use it, help people with it. And that's it. And then utilize the things like the stage, the mic, broadcasting, and so on, TV, film, to do all of that. But trying to manage the business side too at the same time, it it is, is very awkward. So let me ask you something. I'm so glad that you brought this up. For those, for there's a lot of people that are now seeing media is the future. Like you're going to need it. It's not... Now, where back when you started, like it was a luxury, you were way ahead of your time as far as like you were doing the future of media 20 years ago, which is amazing. This is why I'm saying to you, you've served as an inspiration for me because I followed your journey for at least 10 years. And this is, so seeing that, and now other people are waking up to knowing media is a necessity. This is not a luxury. This is a necessity. Like it's like the internet. This is where we're going with it. So for people that suck at the business side, but may have the skill for media, for broadcasting, for acting, for voiceover and so forth, what advice do you have about the business side or the part they may suck at? The thing I talk to solopreneurs and entrepreneurs the most is this, and exactly what you're saying is a lot of times when, you know, the economy sours and your budget is impacted in a negative way, the first thing that they think they, let's just get rid of publicity, let's get rid of promotion, let's get rid of, let's get rid of the magazine, let's get rid of media altogether, whatever magazine, whatever media is for them in the moment. And that is the A number one mistake you need not to be making. You don't want to disappear off the radar screen. You don't want your clients to think that you're not viable. You don't want new clients to not be able to find you and to see that what you're doing is current. I think it's the most important thing. Learning how to do media, like we can do media for people all day long, but what I do is I also teach them how to be in media. In the limelight is television. It's a podcast and a digital magazine. So in the television piece, I have in the limelight TV, it's on another network. I'm also looking at another uh, network possibility right now, but it's on another network. And what I do is underneath my channel, we have that people have their shows. So I onboard them, I teach them, I train them. And then for a fee every month, they can now say they are on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. And that is really, it's the sexy part of 
as seen on. As seen on is something we've seen in our in, on on television. I remember the Ronco commercial, <laughs> all the different things. As seen on is probably or probably three of the most important and impactful words that you'll be able to to use in your business. And for us, it's as seen on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and a hundred other smart shit, Daily Motion, a hundred other smart television apps. Now. The honest, the God part about all that is, do I really care that we're on an app in Seoul, Korea? No, nobody's. <laughs> no, I don't. But the hundred other television apps, it's the truth when you say that's where you can find my show. And the show is much like what we're doing now. It's this Zoom calls that we make look good. They're not highly produced. They are Zoom calls and we're doing just fine. This way for people who really want have a little bit of the bug and want to learn, think they can't. That's why I wrote a book. If you think you can't, I wrote a book that's going to tell you. And uh, and get yourselves, get your brand forefront. The people can see it and know that you are relevant. That's I, that's really sound advice. It's good advice. I, and I love that. I also, the way that you structure your channel makes so much sense because instead of the problem with these streaming networks, and I've, I was VP of one and I've been very involved in that. Now I'm doing self-hosting just because of, I have to avoid censors because a lot of what I talk about, and I've been kicked off of Apple TV and Roku. So it's, this was the only way for me. Wow. Yeah. It's, you know, the, my heart is for degenerates and misfits and outcasts and former trafficking victims and former sexual abuse victims and prisoners and so on. So the kind of wormholes that we get in, we start to uncover things that people don't want out. So I've been famously kicked off now, multiple networks, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and so on. But so this was the only path for me. But that said, what you're doing is the right way because these other streaming networks, and I'm not going to name them because I won't even get, I, some of them are so okay. full of it. It's ridiculous. But they'll promise you all the marketing. They'll promise you, hey, we're going to help you and teach you how to do this. But they right. don't. You you sign up, you pay your $5,000, you pay your $500, you pay your $1,200, right. all the right. different prices, and you get nothing from them. The way that you're doing it is actually creating an ecosystem that is self-supporting and everyone is taking care of each other. You're teaching, you're showing them the ropes, and then also leading by example. That is the proper way to run a streaming network. So I applaud you for that. Oh, I applaud you for that thing that you got for your iPhone that moves when you do. I want to get one of those. That's really cool. Every time you <laughs> but that is so that's my next, that's on my wish list. I want to get one of those. And I don't have a camera crew, so I've got AI that just follows me around. I love that. And I love the green screen in the back. I love your whole setup. It looks oh, amazing. Thank you. So let me just um, get to the point. If you allow, if you allow me, and I want to touch yeah. upon what you just said, and that is in the acknowledgments. <clears throat> of my book, just not because I want to bring the book in it, but just- No, I was going to actually go to your book next, but okay. go ahead. So I acknowledge, this is obviously written by me. I'd like to acknowledge the millions of people all over the world who have been abandoned, abused, beaten, hit, struck, oppressed, depressed, distressed, held back, lied to, cheated, lost, betrayed, deceived, misled, double-crossed, walked out on, stabbed in the back, sold down the river, stolen from, deserted, discarded, shunned, cast out, dropped, dumped, forgotten, neglected, rejected, and or dejected. You are the sole reason I have written this book. I love you. I'm so happy that you are not a fraud. I, we come, so we have a lot of, what do you call it? Similar friends. What's the word for that? We have friends in the same ecosystem anyway. 
And, but in that world that we've played in, there is a lot of scam artists. There's a lot of people that are full of it. And so you see how things are presented to the world and you do an excellent job of that. But to literally see that you were as genuine as I wanted you to be makes my heart happy. Because again, oh. it's like meeting your favorite celebrity and you find out they're a schmuck. <laughs> yeah, we've all been that path, I think. It's, 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 it, but it hurts. It's so cool to meet somebody that I've looked up to and actually see that they're awesome. So anyway, you've written some amazing books, but you have a new book and I yeah. want to hear all about it. The self-esteem regime, which is, it's called a regime because it's a, it's an organized way of doing things. And it really is. It's an action plan. I call it my, it's a manual. For me, it's also a mission and a movement. And I'm thrilled to say it's being sold in many different countries around the world. I would love the, you know, the idea that for me, I'd be able to become itinerant as I move around the world and make sure. And by the way, the, blue, the cover is blue for men. When if I first got this cover, you'll see it's three iterations of blue. It came in orange, pink, and yellow, and it was pretty enough, and it jumped off the, the shelves at Barnes & Noble. It was great. It would have been great, but I asked them to make it blue because I wanted men to pick it up as well because self-esteem doesn't discriminate, right? It's right. Yeah, the, and it's 12 <laughs> chapters. Each chapter begins with a reword. We start with release, and we move into rebuild, and then we wow. go into responsibility. We talk about reinvention. There's all kinds of different thought processes, if yeah, you will, yeah. as you go through the book. And it may take you a minute to get into the first chapter. And it might take a week or so for you to go, oh, what do I have to release? What do I really need to let go of? What is not serving me anymore? And we hear that a lot, but people don't really sit down and do, you got to do the work in this book. Matters. You must do the work in, the, in this book to be able to make a change in your life and therefore the change in many others. I often talk about, we often talk about, and I'll give you a couple of the highlights I think that are the most important. When we talk about self-esteem, we talk about, I am enough. He is enough. We are enough. She is enough. I am enough. Enough, if you look it up, and by definition, is only as much as is required, right? So I know that I, it's so much more than is required. It's, it, and I don't want this to become semantics. This is true. You have to be careful <laughs> about your subconscious, right? Your subconscious will say, I'm only as much as is, as is, as is required, but required by whom? Required mm -hmm. by who's telling, who's deciding, who's defining required. The new catchphrase around town, Josh, just so you know, is I am so much more than enough. Nice. And I think that's another, yeah, it's another really, it's just a big, big step. If you can walk into that, it's just like a really powerful place to be standing. And I'm so much more than enough. Like I'm good. And none of this, by the way, has to do with conceit or narcissism. That's a whole different thing. In fact, conceit and narcissism are, have to do with people that don't have enough self-esteem. So let's be really clear on that. Yeah. The other thing I like to talk about is taking the high road, right? So honesty, integrity, gratitude, and honor. Mm -hmm. That we've come away from thinking that being honest is a thing. I can just, especially, with, I think, especially with the onslaught of social media, sure. we just put stuff out there because we want to look cool. So we're going to use that filter or we're going to rent that Lamborghini or we're going to stand in front of that palatial home uh, and pretend <laughs> it's ours or whatever. We're going to love you all the same if you live, you rent an apartment. I'm going to love you all the same. The honesty part, all of us being radically honest, not only with ourselves, which is hard work. Yes, it is with others. Integrity, moral principle, moral uprightness. It doesn't mean, it just is, it's such a huge piece, integrity. And it's like a big word. Honesty, integrity for me are probably the top two. They yeah. are really, if you can come to any table, any relationship to with yourself and with others, and you're coming from really straight up honesty and dishonesty is not always going to make you the most popular kid in the room. Not at all. You're going to be ready for that. And integrity, 
That's a huge, that's a huge one. People don't even know what it means anymore. So we have to be really careful to be, to be bringing, I think the best us to the table. My new mantra is I want to be a better person more than I am today. It's just how I Gratitude, we all know what gratitude is and what we need to be made, being gratitude for. And then who are we when no one else is in the room? Who are we? Nobody else is looking. We go back to when we go back to the, to the first story real quick. We're going out one day. It's a, it's a, one of our exercises. We have, we're taking helicopters to get there. I'm in the front with the pilot and the two pretty girls, the younger girls with their teeny weeny bikinis and all that. They're behind me. And I love them. They were great. And, but they say to the guy, can you do us a favor? Is there betting your eyelashes? So the, can you go over there into that little hut right there on the island here in Nicaragua and get us some food? Cause we're starving. We haven't eaten in a, in a couple of months. And he did. He was very kind. He's at his own pocket. These people don't have a lot. Yeah. His own pocket. He went and bought food and brought it on board. So the girls were happy. He gave them the bag. And at a certain point, I get a top on my shoulder. And I look back and they're handing me some of the food. And I went, oh, no, thanks. And with a smile on my face, I said, no. Now, I hadn't eaten for months either. And I was back down to my fighting weight. I was back down to my modeling weight. And it was great. And I loved it. And <laughs> that was a good part about the island. But I knew that would have been a dishonest thing to do, that it wasn't honorable in any way, shape, or form. There were rules to that game that anybody else that didn't have wasn't able to partake. All the other people that were on the other helicopters, they weren't going to get a bite of this or a morsel of this food. And that did two things. I I was real proud of myself because I was hungry. I was hungry. And I was very proud of myself. And what it did was put a division between me and them now that this action as for take it for what it was it what it created a vision and so they were afraid now because they thought i was going to say something knock yourself out that's between you and your god your universe your buddha your krishna whatever you knock yourself out i'm fine with that but it also put them in a place where I wasn't a part of the team anymore. I wasn't a part of the tribe. It, because when you do something like that, you there's no way they couldn't have been embarrassed. Just no way. Sure. Even if it was for a moment, and even if it was just for a fraction of a second. So that's my story about honor. People say, oh, you are you always so honorable? I miss the mark sometimes. I'm, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm as human as the rest of you all, but I do work on it all the time. That's... It's a simple story, but it's powerful because <clears throat> it reminds me of how other people, For it's hard to be an honest cop. And I, I have no, like I've had my run-ins with the police, good and bad, but it's hard to be an honest cop for what you said, because it's easy. You see somebody take right. a little bit of money from the stash that they capture or whatever. Like you're pressured into having to do it too, because if not, then they're going to be fearful that you're going to rat and then that can cause a whole dynamic and cause problems. So it's hard. It's very hard to be an honest human being, even with the, like we have perceived honesty and so on, but I'm like honesty in our heart. Like I'm being truthful. I'm living in integrity. It's very challenging, especially when we're a part of groups and different associations. And I think that people have to really consider what jobs they do, the th- the assignments that they sign up for when they know that they could have that challenge. And if they're not willing to do that, if they're not willing to remain in integrity, I think it's a fair thing for people to do to say, do I really need to be doing this job? Right. Because we only have our soul. Like we have our, we have ourselves and, and the, what, the mark that we leave on the planet. We're only really responsible for our actions. 
And yet those actions always have consequences. Even good things that we do have consequences. So I love that you said this because it really is, it exposes the challenge it is to remain integrous. But at the same time, it also reveals the importance of that because we have to live with ourselves. We do. And I was a horrible liar. I don't know if it's a movie, like my book, my, my wife and I wrote The Devil Inside Me, which is my true story. I wasn't living in integrity. In fact, I would, of all the bad things that I did with my life, I would say that lying and gaslighting and all that was the worst of it. The lying to women to make them think that they were crazy, to rob them of their intuition. Like that was a real crime. And for me now, I love that you brought up honesty because now living in truth is such an important thing. However, even with that, we have to be careful about putting our truth on other people. Because that can be, whether it's offensive, sometimes it can be violating, or sometimes it's just not the right time. And so I've learned something that I would love your thoughts on. I've started asking myself, will this give me peace? Anytime that I want to act on anything, will it give me peace? And that has helped me slow down enough to go, you know what, maybe I'm not going to say that today. Will it give me peace? Will it bring me peace? Absolutely. And I totally agree. We talk about going the extra mile. And a lot of times we think it means the extra mile in a professional sense. Yeah, yeah. Forgetting that the extra mile is the loneliest mile. And sometimes it's the darkest mile. And sometimes it's the mile when you're going to be walking through a, the horrific thunderstorm without boots and galoshes and a raincoat and an umbrella. And it could be a lot of other things, that extra mile. But there's light at the end of that tunnel. And it's so bright and bold and beautiful that it, to me, it just, it's a no-brainer. If I can do Survivor, I can walk the extra mile through that yeah, storm yeah. with no problem at all. And, and knowing that you are, when you live at a certain, I'm going to call it a vibrational level, when you start to live in this kind of integrity, honesty, and with honor, and again, I'm perfect am I, but I do try my very best. You will see that you are going to lose relationships. A lot of the toxicity is going to fall away, thank God. You are going, your inner circle is going to become much smaller. And a lot of people are going to start really not like you very much because they don't get you. They don't understand you. They don't understand, they see it as a very rigid way of being. And whereas I live happily and I live in a softly, I think a lot of people would think maybe I'm hard, but- it's that important to me that I live my value system and I take the high road. I love it. I could talk to you for days. I would love to have you back sometime. I we literally could just sit here and chat with you all day. But for the sake of time, let's wind it up. And I would love for you to plug anything you want to plug. Say any last words that you have. The floor is yours. Thank you so much. The self-esteem regime, it is an action plan for becoming the competent person you want to be. It's 12 chapters. Do the work. You're going to be a whole different person. I think the one thing that we need to be constantly working on, apart from work, is ourselves. And when I started down the self-help journey, it was one little bookshelf in all the bookstores 30 years ago. Now there, it's a multi-billion, you know, personal development is a multi-billion dollar industry. And if you walk into Barnes and Noble to find my book, you're going to see that it's rows and rows and rows of books that are there to help you. And in these very uncertain times, I think that we need to be spending much more time on our personal development mostly to keep our sanity, but certainly to become <laughs> better, better people. The only thought that I will, and so get the book again, Amazon, Kindle, Audible, and in the bookstores, really great. I'm thrilled for that. 
And I think just real quick, Josh, when I found my book, you know, the last name being Bert, next to Brene Brown, who's a regular at Oprah, next to Deepak Chopra and Dr. Joe Dispenza, I knew that, you know, that for me was a crowning moment because I was in the middle of all these personal development titles. Remember also, this is self-help. It is not shelf help. So <laughs> buy the book and read it. <laughs> yeah, that's really important. Do the work. And then here's a thought that I'll leave you with too, that I just love it. I just love when I bring this again to the forefront. And that is loyalty is when you have my back behind my back. And I love also that I can turn that around and say loyalty is when I have your back behind your back. And it's another really great self-esteem moment. People think self-esteem is, ah, oh, don't compare yourself to others. Okay, yes, it is. That's part of it too. That's self-esteem 101. But self-esteem goes so broad and so deep. <clears throat> and who are you? at the water cooler when everybody's dishing on Susie Q. Are you fomenting with the tribe or are you saying, hey, I know Susie Q and that's not how I know her. Yeah. Or maybe she was having a bad day. Why don't we just give her a hug and get on with our day instead of just doing the thing. And yeah, loyalty is when you have my back behind my back. I love it. Again, I'm a bigger fan than I ever was. And I am so grateful for your time. I cannot wait to buy your book and read it and use it like the manual that it is. And I'm just so grateful for your time. Thank you for being here. Josh, so much.